0: Welcome to Ask Me Anything, where Pastor JD gives quick answers to some of your toughest theological, ethical, and leadership questions. Thank you so much to all of you who have sent us questions since the season began. Um, We probably won't get to all of them, but I promise we'll get to as many as we possibly can. And so for today, JD, the question is, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? And if not, can demons influence us?
1: Well. The answer to that first question, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? Uh, I guess it depends on what you mean by demon-possessed. The word demon-possessed, this is a common misconception. The word demon-possessed is not actually – it's never used in the Greek language that I know of, um, and it's not in the Bible. Uh, People think that that's a a biblical terminology. The, The word that is used in the Bible is the word demonized. Uh, which actually broadens it a little bit. Um, so if you, mean, if you mean can a demon so overtake a Christian so that they have no will left, and no ability really to choose right from wrong anymore, the answer is definitely no for the Christian. I mean, for for multiple reasons. Romans guarantees us that in Christ, no sin or evil power can ever have ultimate dominion over us. And so even what we see with Judas, um, because that is kind of what we think of as demon possession, where Satan enters his heart and takes him over. Um, yes, I don't think that can happen to a Christian, but if by... By demonize the word demonized, you mean can a demon influence or control us or afflict us? Uh, scripture I think indicates yes, even for the believer. Um, but his entry, his entry into our lives, is because we allow him to come by by saying no to him in some area, or we um, or, or we allow ourselves to be influenced by listening to the lies that he whispers into our hearts. Um, l- l- let me start where I always start with questions like this. It's with C.S. Lewis's famous statement. Um, he said humanity always falls into two, what he called equal and opposite errors concerning demons. Either we take him way too seriously, or we just don't take him seriously at all. Uh, I think Christians kind of fit in one of those two categories, You know, way too seriously or not seriously at all. Now We can't just pretend that demons aren't real. I mean to, to to say I don't believe in demons or the devil. I mean you're cutting out a major influence, a major um, part of Jesus's teaching. Um, but we also shouldn't attribute every inconvenient circumstance, a, a dead car battery, a traffic jam, the price, a price increase at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, you don't want to uh, you know chalk all that up to spiritual warfare. Um, you know, recently uh, we had John Mark Homer here. He's written a, a book called "Live No Lies." There are things in that book, by the way, that yeah, you know, I, I see differently from, uh, from from John Mark. But um, one of the things that, that I, I think he points out so incredibly well is how this um, unholy triumvirate, the unholy Trinity that christians for 2000 years have warned about has kind of we sort of neglected it in 21st century america and that triumvirate is the world the flesh and the devil um he, he he defines it the devil as mainly coming in the form of deceptive ideas I don't mean that the devil is a metaphor for deceptive ideas, but the devil is the one whispering the deceptive ideas that play to our disordered desires. That's the flesh that are normalized in society. Um, that's the, the world. And those three things are this unholy cocktail that is Satan's strategy for deceiving us and destroying us because that is his goal to kill, to steal and to destroy. So, um, yes, he is alive and well, and every bit as active um, in our day as he was in day, look the same, um, but he is, is is the same enemy nonetheless. Um, you know, one of the things that that when you when you read Matthew 4, and this is what John Mark pointed out, is that if you were just going to set up for a Hollywood producer and say, let's have a battle between Jesus, the Son of God, and Satan, the Prince of Darkness. I mean, any Hollywood producer is going to turn that into a, a Marvel movie, kind of, you know, flying around the desert, zapping each other with lightning bolts, throwing each other in the mountains and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, that's not what you see. What you see are, are what essentially Matthew 4 are two guys standing in the middle of the desert having a conversation and what is Satan doing? He is he, he is, he is whispering things to Jesus to try to warp or change his thinking. I won't go through the specifics of, of what he says because I think here's what we want to focus on is that he is his battle is a battle of ideas. One of the things that uh, that John Mark talked about, that the Jesus and the apostles you know talked about, is how Satan will even twist Scripture to make us think, to believe lies about sin, to believe lies about ourselves. Um, a really helpful exercise um, that that I'm pursuing right now is is kind of writing those out. You know, it's, it's actually very slow, a slow process for me. It's not like I just sat down and whipped up, you know, but I thought, like, what, how is Satan really, really lying to me? Let me give you just one or two examples. I actually have a, on my Evernote, on my phone, I have a, a file called Prayer Counter-Talking, and that's how I'm responding to Satan like Jesus did. And I thought, like, it, for, for me, um, materialism the devil sometimes will whisper ideas in my heart by the way john mark homer he called he defined a devilish idea as a thought with a will behind it i love that a thought with a will behind it. You ever have this something that it's not, it's different than just something you're thinking. It's, it's almost like it's pressing its way in there. It's like, it's almost like it's just captivating you and making you want to, to think about it. And at the wrong times that thought thought comes in there. He says, it's it's a thought that seems to have a will behind it. And for me, one of them is um, this lie, I believe about money is that an abundance of money is the good life. And I think you know, there really can be no true happiness and peace and security apart from just having a lot of money. Um, I thought, all right, what specific verse would I use that would counteract that lie? And, and ask the Spirit of God in quietness and solitude like Jesus was, what, what, what's, the, what's the response to that? And what I wrote down was, um, after praying about it, trying to listen to the Spirit, the verse was, Lay not up treasures on earth. You where know, we're, we're moth and rust corrupts, but lay up treasures in heaven. Because that, that's counteracting that lie that, that the good life is not treasures down here. The good life is, if anything, laying up treasures there that I enjoy. Um, here, here's another one. Um, when, when, when I get angry at other people, the lie that I tend to believe is you've got a right to be angry and to despise or look down on this person. Because it's not just irritation. Sometimes you just want to – it's like you enjoy seething in anger. And despising somebody else after praying through it again sitting in solitude like jesus did in the wilderness i didn't do it for 40 days but in solitude I, you know the the verse that kept coming the spirit of god i, I thought was putting in my heart is that verse that jesus taught us to pray every time we pray forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors because it means I don't have a right to see them be angry. Um, so it's a battle of ideas. And we have, to, we have to identify those lies like Jesus did and then counteract them with the proper scriptures. Um, specifically though, it's not just a battle of ideas, it's also a battle of identity. Fascinating in Matthew four is that, that Satan's lies often begin with the phrase, if you really are the son of God. The irony is the end of Matthew three, that's what God the father had just declared over Jesus. At his baptism, he just said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And now Satan is taking this incredible identity, this thing that had to bring Jesus' heart joy and confidence and feelings of intimacy with the Father. The devil says, if if you really are the son of God. It's like what he said to to Eve in the Garden of Eden. If God is really good, does God really want you to have um, the good life? Jesus refused to go along with that lie. He believed what God had declared over him at his baptism. You are my son um, in whom I'm well pleased. And He believed that instead of of Satan's doubt. I, I do believe that gives us an indication that what Satan will often whisper in the heart of the person who's not fortified in the gospel is, hey, God's not really happy with you. You're under judgment. Um, You're worthless. You have no future. The way that it's been in the past is the way it's going to be. You've been forsaken. You're abandoned. You're an orphan. God hates you. Some form of this lie, you've been separated from him. Some form of this lie that basically is him saying, if you really are a son or daughter of God, I'm not sure that you are. We have to fight the battle of identity with the gospel. We fight the battle of ideas with God's word. We fight the battle of identity with with the gospel. We have to say, there's nothing I can do that would make God love me any more than he does right now. Jesus, when he said, it is finished, he meant it is finished. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. In Christ, he looks at me and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Because now in Christ, God looks at me like like he does Jesus because I'm now in him. This is something John Mark Homer quoting, I think it was like a fourth century monk named Evagrius um, called counter-talking or talking back to the devil, speaking the word of God into the lies, the deceptive ideas that appeal to our disordered desires that have been normalized in society. We've got to talk back with scripture and the gospel. So to bring it all around to what you said at the beginning, can a Christian be demon possessed? No, not in the the sense that we think about with like Judas. Can a Christian be demon, demonized, influenced by a demon, afflicted, lied to by a demon? Absolutely. In fact, not only is it possible, you can be sure that it's happening to you, um, that Satan is whispering to you. And just like Jesus had to do battle with the, the devil by, By counteracting the lies with God's word, we have to be aware of where he's speaking and counteract his lies in our life by speaking God's word back to him also.
0: Well, guys, thanks for listening to Ask Me Anything today. And don't miss next week when Pastor JD answers a really tough question. Um, If a child wanders from the faith, is it the parent's fault? That's going to be a really tough one, but JD wants to dive into that, and we're excited to hear what he has to say. Um, as you're probably aware, this is the last week to make a tax-deductible donation if you're listening in real time at the end of December. Podcasting and content creation, it's one of those things that unless you're involved in in how this works, you probably don't realize how much goes into these programs. Um, and so we would love if you would consider becoming one of our first 500 gospel partners heading into the new year. Um, Gospel partners give monthly to our ministry to help cover the cost of just keeping our program going so people can hear um, this content. We have an audacious goal every year of giving away 10% of our revenue to church plants around the world, um, but we can't do it without your partnership. So we would love it if you would go to jdgreer.com to learn more and donate today. And we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.